Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. I didn't mention this in the first two episodes, but I want to make sure that I emphasize it now that if you aren't stopping before you start studying scripture and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to understanding, then I would encourage you to stop right now and do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job is to Mm -hmm. reveal the Father and the Son. And so if we don't invite him in to do this with us, then we're just using our own earthly eyes that are not going to get us any further than the black and white text. And we want to go deeper. So please do that now. Otherwise, we're going to jump in and read Matthew chapter three. So here is a good time for you to skip ahead. If you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You're going to want to jump back in at approximately three minutes and 37 seconds. All right, Matthew three. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord and make his path straight. Now John had a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do is go through. We're going to reread the text, and we're going to go through and find just basic observations. I kind of wonder whether the reason that I don't have, I didn't get as much out of it was because I took such a big, Matthew 3 is pretty involved. There's a lot Mm -hmm. happening there. And I tried to do the entire chapter. And I'm wondering whether that might have maybe worked against me as far as really being 
being able to zoom in on a really close ch- yeah. close portion of it. So let me just go through and give you what I have, and then we can uh, discuss the interpretations as they come. All right, so f- number one, I have Matthew's account jumps quickly from the scene of Jesus's infancy <clears throat> and his family's journey to settling in Nazareth, Nazareth, and then it moves forward to his baptism 30 years later. Mm-hmm. For number two, I said that John the Baptist's ministry was repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Number three, I have John wore camel hair garments with leather belt and his food was locusts and honey. Number four, five, and six, I kind of have a parenthesis around because they go together. Number four, people from all over were going out to him, confessing their sins and being baptized. Number five, he spoke out against the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, produce fruit consistent with repentance. Uh, Number six, I have John points to Jesus whose time he knows is drawing near. And I put a parenthesis around that because I was kind of noticing that basically John seems to have a three-point sermon. (laughs) Those are his three main points that he's trying to get across to the people that are coming out to him. So that was just an observation that I mm-hmm. made. Those were the th- that he has three points, and somebody was talking about how there's that consistent. Everybody's looking for a three point sermon yes. series. So John had his own three point sermon series, and maybe that's where that comes from. I don't know. Anyway, number seven. Jesus comes from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Number eight. John and Jesus are cousins. That actually put in. It is not an observation from that text, but mm-hmm. it's an observation from a text that I had recently read. So I put that in there because I. That's part of what was making me, it was causing me to ask some more questions that I knew I was Mm -hmm. going to want to do in the interpretation section. So, okay, number nine, John immediately wants to be baptized by Jesus. Number 10, Jesus says, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Number 11, John allowed him to be baptized. I believe those are the words Mm -hmm. verbatim, right? Number 12, When Jesus was baptized, he went up from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him, and a voice said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Those are my observations for chapter 3. I like to try to keep it to 12, and so that's what I tried to do because it was an entire chapter, so I kind of pulled out just main points. So this is just something that I was thinking as you were going through your observations that I think would maybe be helpful, especially since this is our first week and we're kind of learning how we do this process, is that a lot of your observations, you wrote down exactly what it said in the Bible. So that's the whole point of observation. I tend to jump ahead a little bit, but I just think this was a really good example of your... Surface. Yes, just surface. You're just writing down what you observe like right off the bat. So even, especially towards the end when you write... He went up. From he the water. went up from the water immediately, and the heavens suddenly opened, and the voice from heaven, what it said, and that John allowed him to be baptized. Like all those specific things, what John wore, they're just—it's written right there, obviously, in the text right. for us to notice. So and of course, I'm drawing conclusions. It's, it is. It's really hard. It actually takes a lot of discipline to just stay with, with the text yeah. in the observation phase. And if you do it well, you don't have to go back to the text for your interpretation part. You can go back to your observations and just stick with mm-hmm. your observations and go, okay, these are the things that stood out to me. And these are the things that I want or I knew I had more questions about mm-hmm. and that I was going to want to dig into. So let mm-hmm. me just go back here and see what I have. And the truth is, is that I probably could pull out 12 different interpretations from these observations mm-hmm. because when Jesus was baptized, 
he went up from the water. I underlined went up because I probably had a question about whether that means he came out of the water right. or he went he up. floating like he walked, in the air? Or, or he walked out, walked of, the out water, of the water up under the saying. shore. So yeah. I'm trying to picture what's happening right. there. And so I underlined some of those key words. Mm-hmm. Um, the heavens suddenly opened. I underlined suddenly mm-hmm. because I wanted to know did it happen right as he came out of the water. It opened for him. I thought that was interesting. And that he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. Yeah. That's the observation portion exactly that you really just want to stick right to the text and just maybe pull out or star some of those keywords mm-hmm. that you know you're going to want to go back to when you're allowed. So here's another quick question. Yeah. Not everyone will do it necessarily the same way as you do, but when you're going through, do you read the whole passage and then write down your observations or are you writing stuff down as you read it? That's a really great question. So no, you're actually supposed to, and I say supposed to just because it's a, it makes for a better rhythm to just read it. Just read it once without okay. writing anything down. And then when you go back through it, anything that stood out to you that first time is going to stand out to mm-hmm. you again. And so you'll start writing those things down. So you want to just do a, a brief overview and just absorb what it's trying to say. And then what happens is that when you go and you zoom in on it and mm-hmm. you try to pull out those observations for one verse at a time, you're, you'd be surprised how many treasures you find in yeah. there that you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that. Because you've already got the big picture, so you right. don't need to look for the big picture anymore. Yep, exactly. Leading us to interpretation. So again, this is where we're digging deeper and we're trying to understand some of those. We're, we've drawn those pictures in our head or we're trying to draw those pictures in our head. And so we're getting a, we're painting in some more details. For number one, I have that John was weird looking <laughs> and he was weirdly behaving and then I have underlined, and yet. So John was weird looking and behaving, and yet an enormous group of people followed him. The truth is, is that, so what I've written is that the world was hungry for truth, and they were so hungry for truth tellers, and they recognized it from hearing it, that it didn't matter what it looked like or what kind of package it came in, they, were, they went out for it. Mm-hmm. So this weird man that ate locusts and <laughs> definitely was not stylish, he had a huge following mm-hmm. because he was preaching truth. And I love that. And it, and I'm reading this, of course, as I'm also reading a book by um, George Whitfield, his mm-hmm. journal. And he's the first open air. He's like, he's a big, not the first. I'm actually, in fact, I wrote, is John the Baptist the first open air <laughs> preacher? <laughs> How many people preached before John yeah. the Baptist that thousands of people came out to? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I was just reading, I think it's in Nehemiah where it talks about how he read and explained, like during their, they had this festival where they built these shelters. It reminded me of, let's go camping for the weekend and have fun and celebrate. So they camped for a week, basically, even on their roofs. Like they just built these shelters wherever they wanted to, kind of. And then they would spend the whole day with someone reading scripture and then explaining scripture. Yeah. And so that's when I read that, I thought, oh, that's a sermon, basically. Like even back then, they would do it with the law. Yes. And I, so maybe John the Baptist was not the first open-air preacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so true. I was just thinking probably Elijah or Elisha. Yeah. I'm going to stick with your aside for a minute because I think that this is, I think this is important. For those of you who have been with us, you know that we are doing an inductive Bible study, but at the same time we're reading through the mm-hmm. Bible in a year. So I have actually just read the exact same portion of Scripture that Annika is referring to. And so if you want to be doing that with us, it might be helpful for you to know that we're on January 22nd right. <laughs> of the yearly, of the yearly reading that, plan. The yearly reading plan that we're using is listed in the dive booklet. Yes. So the dive booklet that you can find at erinrichard.com, which gives you information about inductive Bible study. 
also has the information on where you get the yearly reading plan that we are reading. And like I said, today, which is the third day of your of February, we are actually reading January 22nd. So if you want to be on the same page as us on that part, it sounds like we might be referring to it a few times. Yeah. I think it was actually, I was catching up a little bit in Nehemiah today. So, but it's somewhere in that range. I was too. Did you take the weekend off? I did. <laughs> Okay, number two. (laughs) John the Baptist, as a weird-looking guy that thousands of people are flocking to, and the only reason that they would have to flock to him is is his message, Mm -hmm. not because he was attractive. Right, some of them maybe came because he was so weird. Like, you know, as humans, we're drawn to weird things. Like, I want to go see what this guy, because they probably heard about this dude wearing camel hair and eating honey and... So some people may have just simply gone out of curiosity and, and yet, ended up in the water. Right. All right. So here's what I have for his, what he's saying. So if the message is what's important, this is what he's saying. The kingdom of God is near and you must repent to get in. If you think you're getting in by works, then you better show fruit. That illustrate humility and repentance. So the fruit of your works better be humility and repentance. If that's what you're... If there's something you're going to do, that's what it should show is humility and repentance. And then number three, this is what this is what the greater one will do. He will baptize with the Spirit. So there's a difference between what John's doing and what the one to come mm-hmm. is going to do. And here comes the one to come. So number three, I have a question. Did John know Jesus was the Savior of the world? How did he know and when did he know? And I asked this because back when I said that John was the cousin of Jesus, Mm -hmm. am I the only one that wonders, like, surely Mary and Elizabeth stayed in touch when, I mean, if John leapt in her womb as soon as Mary showed up and Mary shared with Elizabeth what was going on, she stayed with her for the last six months of her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, and even it makes me want to look up. It says at the very beginning of chapter 3 that John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. What does that mean? Is that close to Nazareth where Jesus was? Like did John, where did he grow up? Maybe I should know the answer to that, but I don't know. Okay, so all of that to say, I'm wondering how much John and Jesus would have known of each other. Mm -hmm. Because if John is in Judea, he probably was raised there or his family is somewhere Mm -hmm. around there. And so... Mary is then within miles mm-hmm. of Elizabeth, and Mary knows she has the Savior of mm-hmm. the world. She's raising the Savior of the world. Right. And Elizabeth knows that John is... Preparing the way. Preparing the way. Right. right. And it, uh, John knows he's preparing the way because that's what he's telling people. He's, but does he? But why wouldn't but he ha- just say Jesus? At what point does he just not say... I right. mean, this is, does yeah. he know the entire time yeah, that he's doing yeah. it, that he's preparing the way for his I cousin? Well, it also makes me wonder, too, like, as we keep reading in Matthew, we'll see a lot of times where Jesus does something for someone, like heals them or performs some miracle, and he go, he tells them, go away and don't tell anyone what I did. Right. And that usually doesn't happen. They usually go and spread the word anyway. But I wonder, I mean, if he and John stayed in touch when they were growing up, maybe Jesus had his hand on that, too, and said... Don't, it's not yeah. time yet. Don't yeah. say anything. Like, yeah. wait till it's time. Right. And so then Jesus shows up on the shore, and now John's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm supposed to, you're supposed to baptize me. And Jesus says, you need to allow this to fulfill all righteousness. So this is where I would be like, okay, let me look for someone else and see what someone, because right. I, 
Yeah. Well, okay. So without That's why knowing, I initially go somewhere else. Going based on what I know from everything else that I've read in scripture or from a history, this is where I'm just going to interpret it based on what I've learned in right. the past. Okay. So I'm going to say that when Jesus says that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill mm-hmm. it. And so there's not, he came to fulfill all righteousness. Mm-hmm. So when he says you need to allow it to fulfill all righteousness, part of what they had to do before they came and gave sacrifices was they had to go, they had to be baptized, right? There was a baptismal pool outside of the temple, if I'm not mistaken. And so before they would even go in and offer a sacrifice, they would be baptized. So there was a... Like a cleansing, right? A cleansing, yeah, yeah, that would happen. And so that that baptismal pool or that baptismal process would be for preparing to... It would be the repentance, right? Before you go in to atone, before you offer Mm -hmm. your sacrifice. It just makes me think that what Jesus is saying is that I didn't, like, I have to fulfill, like, all of the laws have to be fulfilled in Mm -hmm. me. I don't, I can't, this isn't going to happen, right, if I don't do all the things Mm -hmm. that are required of the law because I have to, I fulfill the law. Right. And so I wonder whether, I have so many questions about this specific portion of scripture because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about and studying this past year has been the Holy Spirit, and it's come up a lot. And so this is the moment where Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? After he's baptized. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that's what John is saying that you're waiting for. I'm baptizing with water, mm-hmm. but someone will come who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so it's almost like the first time that we see a baptism of the Holy Spirit happens right after Jesus is baptized mm-hmm. with water. Those two things went hand in hand. So what I find interesting is that it was the baptism with water that fulfilled all righteousness. It almost opened the way for the fulfillment of the Holy, the, the beginning of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in G, the beginning of Jesus's ministry, mm-hmm. which was ushered in through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. then he goes off into the wilderness mm-hmm. and we'll get to that point. So that's all I can get from that is that Jesus needed to be baptized. He needed somebody to go through that process with them to fulfill. That's what I get from. He mm-hmm. needs to fulfill all righteousness is that there was, and which is why we still see the apostles baptizing people right. in the book of Acts. It wasn't abolished. It's not like we still don't have to go through that. That's still part of the process of becoming a Christian. We still do baptisms, mm-hmm. water baptisms. Um, and you see those two things even go hand in hand with the, the whatever you want to call it, baptism <laughs> or filling or whatever uh-huh. that happens with the Holy Spirit. And we see that as we're reading through Acts. At any rate... This is where I stick to what I can get out of scripture and I sort of have these wonderings. Mm -hmm. I love what you do, which is just dig further. Mm -hmm. So, well, so here's what I'm thinking too, even with the baptism piece of it. When we, like as believers now, when we're baptized, our baptism has nothing to do with our salvation. So when we're baptized after we become a believer, the purpose of that is. Well, there are a few purposes, I think, to to make it public, for one thing, Mm -hmm. and that whole identity in Jesus' death and resurrection, that picture of, you know, going under the water and then coming back up again. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think of with this was this was, like you said, this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So this is public. There are tons of people there watching. Jesus goes to be baptized by John. It's just like a public demonstration i guess of mm-hmm. his belief which is kind of funny well it's a baptism say, of repentance right so right. that's what makes it look weird it's like right. what's jesus repenting right. for exactly right but even just to um 
Which I think is John's question. Yeah. But (laughs) even just to like align himself with what John is teaching too. Mm -hmm. Like John is preparing the way for him and John is telling everyone this guy is coming. And so Jesus in being baptized by him is supporting him in a sense, like showing the world, the people that are there watching that he is on the same page as John basically. Right. I mean, obviously that's, I think that's just the surface. I don't, I think we could probably dig a lot deeper into that, but that's another thing that I think of when I think of what and you say it's just surface, and... but I think that it's such an important point. Like you said out loud, and there are probably some people listening that would be like, ah, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. But baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Mm. Everything that God does is is an internal yeah. soul yeah. rescuing issue. Right. Like it's, there's nothing that we can do on the surface mm-hmm. that does anything for our spiritual reality. I think of baptism somewhat s- similar to prayer in that, Jesus says, like, I know what you, I know what you want before you even mm-hmm. ask. So it's, it's not the asking or saying right, out that loud. He doesn't, that he needs to hear it. Yes. Yeah. It's for us to engage in the process yeah. with him. And I feel like baptism is that physical thing that we get to do. That's a representation. Mm-hmm. That physical thing that we do, we almost need that. Mm-hmm. We need that to happen in order for us to understand what's happening mm-hmm. deeper inside of us. Mm-hmm. So baptism Wow. We just touched on baptism. It's kind of a big deal. All right. So application. We actually really dove into application already, but I'm going to go through what I have. Obviously, I have the same thing. I think I probably dove into application all through the interpretation part. I have that what we look like when we preach or when we give a message or when we share what God's teaching us doesn't matter. The message is everything. Mm -hmm. And we get that from John the Baptist. I have an application that I I literally wrote here. Learn about Jewish baptism, why we continue to still do baptisms, but we don't have to continue to do sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't have to do continue to do sacrifices because Jesus fulfilled that. Right, the once for all. But the baptism, what doesn't... So I, I guess I hadn't thought it when you were talking before about how they would like baptize before they went and offer their sacrifices. I never thought of it that way before. And I only As thought like of it Jewish that way baptism. because I was wondering how did they know about bad? Like, what did baptism right, look like? Right, like where did this? It clearly wasn't John an started, unfamiliar thing. Yeah, but obviously John's doing it. I mean, he's not doing it in front of the temple before they go offer right. sacrifices. So, yeah, where does that come from? I don't know the connection to the Old Testament. Right. So that's where I put I put that in application yeah. just because application why I just want to know. Yeah. I want to know what Jewish baptism looked like and why it wasn't. Or was it completely bizarre that John was baptizing in the Jordan? Yeah. See, I, from my perspective, I always thought this was a new thing. Like, oh, right. here John is baptizing people, baptizing people. Like, we don't hear, right. this is the first time you hear anyone talking about baptizing. Right. And so I always thought this was like a new thing with John that brought in Jesus's ministry. Because when Jesus came and showed up and started his ministry, it was completely different. Like, mm-hmm. he was changing everything compared to what they'd been doing right. all those years. So. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting to dig into. And I'll bet somebody has, and it's probably very profound. Hmm. That's pretty much it. Again, I have, for application, I have the connection between Jesus' water baptism, the Holy Spirit baptism, and his ministry. And that's mostly, I wrote those down mostly because that's just something that I almost continually have, just a question and something that I meditate on a lot as Mm -hmm. I think about the Holy Spirit and how it connects to our walk with Jesus and our own ministry. 
That's what I have for day three. That was a lot of discussion and probably mostly because I didn't have it all nailed down. I had a lot of, there was a lot that I just took from it that I'm, I would be interested to study more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of inductive Bible study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.